0: for filling in last week while I was in Virginia. And I'm glad that we were in Virginia last week and not this week. We, as i said to several, we we were running around in uh, just uh, shirt sleeves up there last week. And now they've got ice and snow uh, building up. Uh, Last report I saw about a quarter of an inch. So I'm glad that uh, that they're there and we're here. And so I appreciate y'all being here tonight. We are on third John. We've already covered several of the first few uh, verses here. Uh, let's go ahead and read as we catch ourselves back up. Paul, uh, John writes and says, The Elder, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as, as indeed you are walking in the truth. And we covered those three, and we talked about them, uh, a lot of them, a lot of what is said here at the very beginning is uh, very similar to what is said in the book of 2 John that we looked at, so we won't go back and deal with all of that. But I want us to begin in verse number 4 tonight, which says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I I can't remember, and I didn't mark it on my uh, notes, I can't remember if we talked about Uh, what is said here at the beginning of verse number four or not and so if we have uh, we'll quickly hit it and move on forward uh, pretty fast but uh, as we look at verse number four John says I have no greater joy did we talk about the the concept that's used here of the greater joy you remember if we talked about that if not it's an interesting, we, we look at it and we see, well, you know, it says, uh, it says a lot, I have no greater joy. But in the original language, it's uh, what we might term a double comparative. Uh, another instance, not the same word, but another instance is more easily seen in some of the translations. Somebody turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. Now, this is not the same word that he's talking, that he's using here, but it's the same kind of thing, a, a double comparative that is used. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. Somebody read that out loud for us. For I hard pressed between the two, having a desire to part, be with with Christ, which is far better. Which is, at the last part there, he says, which is far better. That's, that's an example of a double... Comparative, Far better. Now, probably no one in here has a copy of the American Standard Version that you're reading from, but if you happen to have an ASV, an American Standard Version, a, a very uh, reliable translation, the way that it's translated there at the end, Paul said, I'm in a strait betwixt the two, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, for it is American standard version says very far better and so they're they're trying to pick up on that double comparative again far better you know it's better but we see far better uh, you know it's it's much better but American standard says very far better and so they're trying to express to us the idea that that the writer is expressing and giving us you know the extent to which, uh, uh, in the case of Paul here, the extent to be with Christ is so much better than we can even begin to imagine. Uh, the New American Standard translates the same verse, last part of it, very much better, and very much better. And so you see that, that idea, that expression that is, being, that is being given. Now back to the book of John, Third John. John says, I have no greater joy. The, the no greater joy uh, is, again, that double comparative, and, and, and it has the idea, the expression is that that joy that John has it, it is not just a regular kind of joy that you might have, but it's sort of like the translation in, first, uh, in, in the, the book of Philippians, I have that really, really great joy, that very far joy, that, that, that exceeding great joy, okay? And so I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. One of the things, and we'll talk about this passage more as we, as we develop it here, one of the things that brought the most joy to any of the apostles, whether it be Paul or John or or any of them, was to know that there were people who were doing right and who were on their way to heaven. That that gave them the greatest joy in life, to know that there were people who were on their way to heaven. I'm not really sure that we get as excited about getting people to go to heaven as the apostles were. I'm not really sure that we we are that deep into it. Do we? Are we happy when someone is baptized into Christ? Yes, but we're also happy when our football team wins, aren't we? Which one gives us the greatest joy? Mm, if we're if we're honest, do what, Derek? <laughs> yeah, it's two. Right. It's two. It's two different areas. But with some folks, I'm pretty sure that there's no comparison. I'm pretty sure that they get a whole lot more joy in regard to the sports or something like that than they do for someone who's baptized into Christ. But John says, and it's not just words, uh, remember he's writing by inspiration, right? The words that he is, is writing... He's writing by the inspiration of God. They're his words, but by inspiration, God is approving those words, right? And so when John writes these words, he is expressing them, but God is putting his stamp of approval on the statement. And God knows the heart, does he not? And so John says, it's not just words that he's putting together. There's nothing that makes me any more happy than to know someone is going to heaven. And in particular, who does he say here? Than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Now walking in truth, we've already talked about what it means to walk in truth, but, you know, that's uh, to walk in the light would be a comparison to that. And and basically what he's saying is that they're they're following the path to, to heaven. But who are the children that John is talking about here of course he's writing to Gaius right and so is is Gaius a literal physical fleshly child of John or does John have something else in mind has something else. has something else in mind what does he have in mind Randall those members of the church there, those are okay okay you the, he's a spiritual father, father to them to, to Gaius in particular here, um, uh, that, he, that he specifically is addressing here. He's a spiritual father. Uh, we remember what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1 at verse number 2. Paul calls Timothy my true child in the faith. And, and in Titus chapter 1 at verse 4, he calls Titus my true child in a common faith. In First Corinthians, chapter four, verse fifteen, Paul sort of makes it, uh, you know, pretty well obvious for us. He says, "For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel." Paul was the one who had taken the gospel to the Corinthians, and he had. Uh, been there, when many of them were baptized, he makes the statement in the first uh, chapter of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians that he had not baptized any of them himself, except Crispus and Gaius and so forth, and and as we look at that, you know, he was there, and yet he had taught them the the truth. It wasn't just that he had baptized them, you know, uh, literally had put them under the water and brought them up but he was the one who taught them the gospel. And I think that's the same case that we have here when John is writing to Gaius, that, John, that Gaius is probably one of the, the people who had been converted by the work of John the apostle. And so he is so thankful, he is so happy, he has no greater joy than to hear that, that his children, of which Gaius was one, were walking in the truth. Look at verse number 5. Verse number 5. John says, Beloved, remember we've already encountered that word back up in verse number 2. We talked about it there. He's again addressing Gaius. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. Let's break that verse down talk about it. Uh, In its individual pieces here, beloved, again talking to Gaius, but he said it is a faithful thing that you do. What is it that John is writing about that Gaius was doing that he calls a faithful thing? Obviously, he mentions the efforts, and we're going to come and talk about that, but what is it that John is saying Gaius is doing. For just the sake of discussion here, and again we'll build on this more in just a second, but it seems what Gaius had done is opened his home and helped some missionaries who had come his way, and perhaps were even going to another place to work. And we'll see that develop as we, as we continue reading here. But John says, in taking care of these men, he's going to say that they, they uh, testified of that in uh, front of the church in verse number 6, but in whatever it is that he's doing in showing hospitality and, and, and helping these, these, these brothers, John calls it What? A faithful thing. Now that word faithful comes from the same word, same root form of the word that we see translated as faith. And so whatever it is that Gaius is doing, it seems to me that he is doing that by faith. The word literally means believing, faithful, sure, true. And it's translated in some of those ways and used a number of times in the New Testament. But whatever it is that he is doing, it seems that he is doing it by faith and, and, and for faith. It's a faithful thing that you do. Gaius, it seems, is, is a hard worker, doing what he can for the spreading of the gospel where he is. And so John commends him for his work, for what he is doing. It is a faithful thing that you do. How easy is it to be faithful in doing something, if you're being criticized for it, if somebody if somebody criticizes you for what you're doing, how easy is that? Well, it's not real easy, is it? I mean, we don't. None of us like to be criticized, or somebody jump down our throat, or you know, however we want to say that. We don't really like that. But I want you to remember as we again continue to develop what is said in this chapter that it's very likely that whatever it is that Gaius is doing, he's being criticized for. When we get down here and start talking about deatrophies, very likely that he is being criticized for his work. But now, now what in John writing this letter to him, Now, what does Gaius have? He has a divine, because John is writing it by inspiration, he has a divine commendation, doesn't he? It really doesn't make any difference what Diotrephes, how how bad he gets. Through the apostle, God has said to Diotrephes, you're doing a good job, son. Keep up the good work. We'll see that as, as we see it. But it is a faithful thing that you do. Now notice again what the passage says. It's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts. All your efforts. The word translated efforts here is uh, literally means labor for or minister about. To labor for or minister about what was it that Gaius was doing I'll ask you that a, a second ago. It seems that he was showing hospitality to the brethren to the people who were there, who were coming to spread the gospel and whether it 's where Gaius is or where uh, somewhere else it seems that that he is expending effort. Now, that word again means labor for, minister about. Does that sound to you as though Gaius is just letting them spend the night at his house? The connotation of the words says more than that, doesn't it? Does, it? does it seem to indicate that Gaius is more involved than just opening his doors to somebody? According to the words that John writes here, and I don't think they're by accident, it seems that Gaius is more involved in the work than just letting them Stay there. And John says it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts. He is putting some 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 time and and effort, he's putting some work, some labor into whatever it is that they're doing. And so it seems that he's doing more than opening in his house or even opening his pocketbook. He is actively involved it seems to me and whatever the work is that's that's going on in regard to these brothers and we'll just simply call them missionaries i think that's a a, a proper way of looking at what we're seeing here seems that gaius is actively involved in, in whatever it is that they're doing okay now Another thing that you might want to take note of here, as John is commending Gaius, he says, "Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts, your labor, your work for these brothers. But what is significant about those brothers? You don't, don't know. They are strangers to him. They're not folks from where he's at. They're not folks that he grew up with. They're probably not even folks like Paul. You know, Paul would have had a name among the, uh, the churches, would he not? Uh, people would have known who Paul was. They would have known at this time, you know, this is later on. Paul's already been dead and gone for a number of years, but they didn't know who John was. And so if John came to your house knowing who he is, that he is the last living apostle, would you be more uh, favorable to opening your house and and laboring, putting forth effort to help him or, or some unknown little preacher that came by? Which one would you be more willing to put out the effort for? John commends Gaius because it's not that John has been there. John may come, as we'll see. He may show up, but he said uh, it's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts to, for these brothers, strangers, Zenos as they are. He may not have known them from Adam's house cat as far as who they were, But he knew what they were doing, and he knew what they were teaching. And he knew that he needed to have a part in that. So, not just that he's doing something, and that he's putting effort into it, but he's putting effort into helping a stranger. Now, think about that in regard to what is said in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. I think it's verse number 2 where he talks about showing hospitality, right? For some have entertained angels, literally a word for messenger, they've entertained... Now, I believe what uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews Hebrews is referring back to is Abraham when uh, uh, when God came to see Abraham on that occasion, but some have entertained angels unawares. Puts sort of a different light on that word, strangers, doesn't it? Used there in Hebrews chapter 13 as well. That's what, that, this, is, this is that in action. What Gaius is doing is putting what had been taught in the book of Hebrews. To work that's why he's one of the reasons he's called faithful it's what he was supposed to be doing by faith and so john commends him for that okay look at verse number six then who this is a continuation of the sentence beloved it's a it's a faithful thing you do and All your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. These brothers had evidently been there. The who of verse number 6 refers back to the strangers, to the brothers that that are mentioned there. What had these brothers done when they, got, when they got evidently back from their sponsor, to their sponsoring congregation? What had they done? They told them of the generosity of Gaius. Okay, they told them of the generosity of Gaius, but where'd they do that? For the whole congregation. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's, let's reason through this a little bit. What does it appear that these brothers were doing when they when they got back to where John was where they had been sent out from evidently What were they doing What would we call that Are they giving Oh there you go Seems that they're giving a report of their work right Now isn't that what happened Whenever Paul and Barnabas were sent out, you go back to the book of Acts. They get back to Antioch. What would they do? They met with the church and they told them about all of the things that were going on. There were some things that were uh, were related to the church at uh, Jerusalem. So what did Paul and Barnabas do? They went to Jerusalem. What did they do? They gave a report. And you know, in that report, uh, there was other things that were going on because Paul was reporting on the Gentiles and how that they had to obey the gospel and, and, and you know there the are things that are there. But as we look at it, it seems that they're giving a report of what's going on, and in the midst of their report, what are they doing they're 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 praising. Gaius. They're they're calling names, aren't they? About individuals. How many of you have ever sat through a report of some of the missionaries? You know, or somebody who's been on a mission trip. Randall, you've been to Romania. When you come back and you show the pictures, what do you do? Give an report on how we and what happened. Well, you you tell maybe about who you studied with, but you also tell about the Romanians and how they treated you. And I've heard you call names. I've heard different ones who are giving reports call names about how somebody did that seems like just like what we have right here. That's what they were doing in the first century, too. Derek? It's cold water to thirsty souls. So is good news from a far country. It encourages the listeners as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you could. If you could really, I mean, we we communicate the best that we can, and letting folks know about those people who are who are there, we communicate as best we can. But I want to tell you something, and you know, you guys who have been, you know it as well as anybody else. You can't express all of it in words, can you? You can't tell. You can't tell exactly what. What you experience, I mean, you you can use some good words, but you can't always get that feeling that you get and express it to everybody else. But when these brothers came back, one of the people that they told about to the entire church, he said, You testified, they testified to your love before the church. They told everybody. What Gaius was doing. Why did John tell Gaius that? Why did John include that little snippet of information in his letter back to Gaius? It's like it's like you're talking about with us. Uh, You know, somebody telling you to appreciate the job you've done over there. How does it make you feel? Yeah, John is. I mean, Gaius rather is a man that is like everybody else. He needs to be. Encouraged. He needs to be encouraged. Now, if somebody is coming down on him around him, such as Diatrophes, the then he needs to hear from John, you're doing a good job. Your faithful brother, you're faithfully taking care of these things. But he also needs to know that other folks who have been in his presence recognize that to the point that what are they doing? They're telling other people about what Gaius is doing. And so you see a chain of, uh, of uh, encouragement that is developing here. Uh, John, is, John is telling them he did a good thing back in verse number 5. And now he says, even the ones to whom you had served, the ones that you had put effort forth for, they're telling other people too. And now the church... By the way, which church? Which church? Seems to be the church where. Somebody started to say something? The church where John was, and by the most reliable things that we know, John during this time would have been at Ephesus. At Ephesus. And so the church at Ephesus, at, at the time of this writing, had become a very prominent congregation. The last of the apostles, if this is written, you know, about 90, in the 90s, early 90s of, uh, or so, uh, the last of the apostles is there at Ephesus serving. One other thing about the church at Ephesus as well, that you just you might want to understand. You remember back when Paul had established the church at Ephesus, and he came back through, and uh, we have in the book of Acts, chapter 20, uh, that he warns the elders, he calls the elders as he's passing through, calls them, meets with them, and tells them to be sure to shepherd the flock, and so forth. Verse 28 of Acts chapter 20. What else did he warn them about? These elders. False teachers from where? From among yourselves. Watch, watch out for that. That's the same church, church at Ephesus. Well, church history tells us that one of the first places that began to develop what would later become Roman Catholicism or the Eastern Orthodox Church Began right there in Ephesus, not long, not long from this time. Because you began to have one of the elders who decided to be above the others. And then you, then you spread it out, and, you know, it, it, it eventually developed into what the, the Roman Catholic Church has today with the bishops and the archbishops and all of those guys. But they come back and they tell about Gaius right there in that prominent congregation. of One of the probably most prominent of the day. And now Gaius has got his name mentioned right there. Who testified to your love before the church. And then John says, what? He says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. What does that mean? When, Paul, when John says, to you would do well to send them on their journey, what is John recommending that Gaius do? If we, if we look at that word only in English, what would we suspect? What would we say that John is telling him to do? To send them on their way. Send them on their journey. Yep, maybe, maybe, you know, as they stop by, feed them and, you know, good luck, send them on their journey. That's not what John said. That's not what John said to do. When he said send them on their journey, whatever it was that he's telling him to do had to be in a, look at the last part of that verse in a manner worthy of God. It's more than just simply saying bye-bye, isn't it? Y'all have a good time. Be careful. Stop by if you ever come back through. Whatever it is that John is telling them to do, there is a standard by which it's to be done. Right? When he says do it in a manner worthy of God, there's the standard by which it is to be done. Turn if you will to the book of uh, uh, let 's see lost my lost my verse here uh, romans chapter fifteen verse twenty four romans fifteen verse twenty four Whenever i journey to spain, i shall come to you well, I hope to see you on my journey and on my way there by you. If first, I may enjoy your company for a while. Okay, who said that? Who wrote that? Oh. Paul wrote that. He's writing to who? Church at Rome, writing this Romans. And when Paul says, I'm hoping to go to Spain, but when I come by where you are in Italy... I'm hoping that you'll do what? That I can be... Is that a, H word? Helpful, right? I can be helped on my way. What was Paul asking for from the church at Rome? Provision, money, whatever it was going to yeah. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> I wish to be helped on my way. Provisions for the trip, including food for the trip, money for the trip. Well, do you know that the word "send" here in Third John verse six, and the word "helped" in Romans chapter fifteen, are the same word. The same word. So, having looked at it from that standpoint, what is John instructing Gaius to do? Provide for them. Provide for them. them. Not just a place to stay, that's one thing, but also to provide for them as far as meals are concerned, money is concerned. You'd do well. It, it, Gaius, if you've got it, you'd do well to help them do that. But also it was the custom for the person who was doing the helping in that day to not just give them some stuff to go on, but to accompany them to help them and feed them and whatever needed to be done. That was the custom of the day. Do you know what the average length of study was? When they... Various times. You know, if you look at Paul, sometimes he'd be at a place two years. No so uh, read about him being different places, Ephesus in particular for two years. And so he's asking him, hey, hey, yes, if you can, if it's within your power, you send them on. On their way. But don't just send them on. You help them along their way. That's what he's intending for Gaius to do. And when he did it, it was again to be up to what standard? In a manner worthy of God. Wow. John wrote a lot in a little bitty chapter, didn't he? And he's still just talking to Gaius. We had not even got to the other two men that he talks to and about yet. So we'll pick up here next time.